As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to The Fringe of It, episode number 42. Hello. Hi. Uh, I feel like we should always record the conversation we have before we record the podcast. Minus the swears and the moans. Few swears, few moans, but I always feel like... We just kind of pop on to, you know, check the lines working. And then we like, I don't know, we just kind of offload. And then I go, that would have been really interesting for the podcast. I know. That's the thing. I, I think you think that and then actually relay what we were talking about. And I think most of it, people would have gone, how self-indulgent. <laughs> yeah, it was very sweary as well. I got all my all my Fs and Jeffs out before the podcast. And it's just to really let go of those. Otherwise, heaven forbid... We'd well, be this would be an eighteen, not a PG. Yeah. Can you imagine think... stumbling across us in the eight in the adult section? Like, what is this? <laughs> How rude could it possibly be? Yeah, really not that rude. Um. Anyway, how are you, Liv? I'm all right, thank you. I'm okay. I feel like I've had a bit of a. I had a really calm week on in the diary, and it's just I feel like I've not stopped, and I've still not got everything I need to get done. Obviously, this is going up a little bit later than anticipated um, because, because we've both been here and there and everywhere this week. I was in no, Brighton. In our defence, sorry to interrupt. In our defence, we did record this earlier on in the week, and then it crashed. Remember? You, that is very true. Yeah. So we went to record this on was it Monday? Yeah, it's now Friday. It was Monday, so our original recording day, where in which case this would be up on time, and we it crashed. We lost everything, um, and we we just thought no, we just we just gave up, didn't we? Well, we had been chatting for ages, and all of a sudden, it just went uh, no. I know, and you 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 just can't force this kind of chemistry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell me about Brighton. So Brighton was lovely. Um, we went. I went down on a press trip, um, but it was absolutely gorgeous. I haven't been to Brighton in so long, and I keep wanting to go back. Um, and it's just it hasn't it hadn't popped up. Me and Joe were going to go a couple of weekends ago, and then a couple of things got in the way, and then so it was just really lovely. I was with Carrie, and we extended our trip because it was really just meant to be a one night thing. 
Um, but we hung around all the next day and just went around some really, really gorgeous shops. And just it was just really nice. The sun came out for us. It wasn't too windy, which I feel like never happens when I'm in Brighton. So I could walk along oh, the yeah. beach. Windy city. I know. And I could just, my hair looked normal. Amazing. I feel like every picture of me in Brighton is just my hair. And two eyes poking out. <laughs> I love Brighton. Uh, Jack and I and, and June went last probably this time last year but it was Scorchio oh oh, I remember that because I remember seeing your photos on Instagram and I saw the sunset and I just thought oh it was like it was I mean it was a sexy photo it was so beautiful I was just like that to me sums up everything great about the seaside yeah I kind of don't want to go back now in case it isn't as good as that trip because that trip was perfect yeah that's how I feel about Cornwall like that is one of my favorite places and when I went last time it was so perfect that I'm like oh but you almost just have to go back before you ever overthink it otherwise it it, you'll never go why are we like this I don't know we're we're too sentimental but um one of my favorite shops is actually called Our Daily Edit and I went into there and I hadn't been in there and honestly their curation of brands is unrivaled it's, is that where the blue daisy dress was? That's where the the blue the blue daisy dress was. I just went in there and they have like, I can't even think off the top of my head now, which is useless, but they have like MIH. They just have um, loads of really brilliant, like Ghani, like young independent designers. I know Ghani's quite popular now, but just really cool brands, like all in colour order and like one piece of each. Obviously, obviously they've got like a size variety in the back, but it was just so beautifully styled. And there's a brand that I saw who I know Brittany wears all the time called Mr. Larkin. And I saw this dress and it was like a blue kind of midi to full length um, dress with a bit of peplum and it had like a V-neck and puff sleeves and it was covered in daisies. And I just, I fell hard. Oh, I... Well, I'd seen Brittany wear a dress on her stories. Um, I sent her like 4,000 emojis with the with the love heart eyes. And then I followed, <laughs> is it Mr. or Mrs. Larkin? Just Mr. <laughs> They're not married. Um, that's from, that's from um, oh, what was it called? The Darling Buds of May. They were the Larkins anyway. Uh, Grandma diverses. Um, and then... And then I followed them, then I saw the dress, then I saw you on the dress. And oh, honestly, I've been hysterical this side of the internet. Hysterical. Oh, so good, so good. I'm so... glad you bought it because I wasn't really sure if you'd bought it from the Instagram stories. And I was like, I need more information. I did. It wasn't, it, I mean, I must say, like, the pieces aren't cheap. Um, they are kind of like... It looked well made. It was beautiful. And I kind of, I justified it by thinking, like, I never... I'm not someone that kind of does huge, big hauls or anything. And I think, you know, I'd rather have a few pieces that I'll wear all summer to weddings and then a year and year and year and year in and out than having loads of things. Um, but I know oh, that... The older I get... I just that's how I shop now um, yeah it is a luxury it's such it is a luxury to shop like that um and you know I'm not perfect with my shopping habits but I'm trying as and where I can afford it oh well I'm glad that dress came home with you I can't w- I can't wait to meet you like you know have I can't wait to meet you <laughs> and then you'll you stroll up in that dress and I'll be like yes yeah, she's she's with me she's with me um what else have I done this week just before I know because you've got you've had a big week so I feel like I'm just gonna yeah, have to yeah um, when I rip that microphone off you it's it's you're not getting it back well this is what I thought I thought get it all out. I might as well just kind of like air it all really quickly um so I also got my hair cut which I was 
thrilled about. Very unexciting for the for the listener, but thrilling yeah, for me. Tell us more. I love chatting about a haircut. Oh well, I bought it was just it was very long and my hair's very fine. So the longer it gets, the thinner it gets. And it just it was really flat and really not great to style. And do you only think like I've really wanted to go shorter for a really long time and everyone's like, not before the wedding. But then I was just like, but I think it will make me happy if I go shorter before the wedding. Like that's what I wanna do. Like I don't want to look back and think, oh, I wish I'd not waited. So I got oh, my hair cut. So many rolls. I know, I know, but um, it's just it's like just a little bit below my collarbone, so it's not particularly short. But um, yeah, I feel like a new woman. I literally jumped out of the hairdressers, and I was kind of like doing the whole whole hall notes dance down the street. I was like, I feel amazing. You make my dreams come true. I know. Honestly, I felt amazing. Buzz has gone off. The singing buzz has gone off. Uh, how many minutes was that? Seven. Seven. Well no, done. Not not too bad. Um, and I literally, my mum, my mum made me FaceTime her in the middle of like South Kensington, so I could show her my hair, and it wasn't that different. But it was just that's how exciting I felt. Excited I felt by it. Um, so that happened, and then last but not least, um, I had a wedding dress fitting. I had m- my second dress fitting with. Is this the final one, or have you got another one? I have one more um, in a couple of weeks, and that's the one where I pick it up and take it home. What are you going to do with it when you take it home? Where are you going to like? I just I feel like there's know. a lot of logistics there. I don't know. That's the thing. I'm like, how do I get it home? And then I don't know. Where I'm going to put it in a house because there's literally nowhere to put a, a wedding dress that I is concealed. So I think it might have to go to um Joe's fa- like Joe's dad's house because they've got um wardrobe space that isn't occupied. I love that. It's just so uh, where's your wedding dress? Oh, Joe's dad's house. Yeah, I just I don't know Why? where because of the wardrobe space. We have no wardrobe space, not because it's filled up with clothes, just because we just haven't. The only like my wardrobes, I know you've seen them, but my wardrobes are like on there's like they're broken in half. So it's essentially got two levels for tops. So all my dresses are on the top bit, but have to be folded under. So it's not ideal for like full length things or coats or anything. Whereas Joe has the full length section of the wardrobe. Can't put my wedding dress in there. Absolutely Joe will not. see it. Tell me how you felt. Because you, obviously I imagine, because my wedding dress uh, process is a bit different to yours. So I'm, I'm really interested that, I, and we've spoken about this, that you you know, you pick the wedding dress, you say yes to the dress, and then I just imagine doubt starts creeping in. So how did you feel when you, you went in for that fitting? You're like, oh, actually, I quite like you. I don't you know what, I was a bit like, I felt I felt amazing in it. I really love it. But I think naturally, being the kind of person I am, there is that pang of like, oh, should I have gone for something different? Should I have done something more like this or like that? And you do kind of get into that spiral, but you know how you feel in it. And you know, my when I tried it on it for the first time my gut was like yes and I think you just have to trust your gut on the first time and not over egg it um but I felt like since I had my hair cut um I felt really really lovely in it um so I'm excited I feel like when I've got it home I feel like I'm gonna have to have a couple of wears when I'm at home just to just to get used to it <laughs> oh my god I well I can't be there for that because we've decided that I I well we had a, a discussion didn't we about whether whether I wanted to know whether you wanted to tell me and I decided that I didn't want to know um so now it's got to the point where you don't want to tell me because I don't want to know um but I'd love to be a fly on the wall for that whole situation maybe I'll just set up some cameras and film it for you and then after the wedding I'll show you the footage yeah I'd like really want to see what you got up to in your dress I mean I, 
what are you doing? Loading the dishwasher? I don't know. Just like, you know, just maybe I'll do that after the wedding. Maybe I shouldn't load the dishwasher on it before. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of like stand there, walking up and down stairs, practising. Can you imagine the postman knocks? It's like, oh, I look like the bride of, um, no, Mrs. Havisham or something. <laughs> Morning. Oh, hello. Oh, how has your week been anyway? Enough about me. No, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, no, it's been good, but it's almost, almost been 10 days. So I've, I've deleted a few things that I've been up to and added in a few more exciting things that I've been up to. So it makes me sound like I've had a really glam time. Um, I've just got back from the Lake District with Jack and June. We went on Monday and we got back last night. So we went for three nights. Um, it's just the most beautiful place I've ever been. It looked heavenly. I can't believe I've never been. Um, I asked my mum and dad just to check. That I'm, you know, I didn't want to say on the internet I've never been to the Lake District. And mum's like, remember that trip we went on when we were seven? But it doesn't seem like my kind of family's thing to do. Um, I just, it was such a nice time. Um, on Wednesday, we kind of had like the perfect day. We went on, we walked a couple of, well, a couple of minutes to this uh, station. And then we went on a steam train. And then we went on a boat across Lake Windermere and we saw the mountains and they were like covered in snow and we ate a pack up and, sorry, packed lunch. I know. Me and jo, I said to Joe, I was like, Joe, do, do, do you call it a pack up? And he went, what's a pack up? And I was like, fine. And I walked away. <laughs> pack up. It's definitely, that's probably a northern thing then, isn't it? Well, apparently it's a Lincolnshire thing. Because um, I said pack up on my Instagram and everyone was like, what is a pack up? Okay, um, fine. I'm talking about a pat lunch, so, you know, sandwiches, sausage rolls, that kind of thing. Um, and then we went, after we got off the boats, which was just amazing, um, we went for about 40 minutes. And for the on the way there, June was awake, but on the way back, she was asleep. So me and Jack got a table inside, got a cup of tea, had, had some cake from our pack-up. It was really, it was just really lovely. But um, when we were in Windermere, we went to the Beatrix Potter Museum and... Oh, it was just the cutest thing I've ever seen because it's so age appropriate for June and she loves Peter Rabbit. So she kept oh. like, walking around going, Peter Rabbit, which was <laughs> cute. I mean, I thought it was a cute. And um, basically I bought the entire gift shop. Um, again, it was so age appropriate. I was like, June would love this. <gasps> June would love that. June would, June. Uh, uh. And then before you knew it, they were like, uh, that's four million pounds, please. And I was like, um, You're like, do you, do you take, uh, do you do loans? Yeah. Um, and then um, it was yeah it was just really lovely and it's made me not many places make me want to go back like I love Dev- Devon and Cornwall I think they're beautiful I love Norfolk Um, I've been there quite a lot and obviously Kent well we do actually go back to Kent quite a lot but the Lake District I want to go back and I want to go back now like I could happily I could happily settle there in fact Beatrix Potter's house I'd, I'd take that maybe give it a lick of a brilliant white paint it was quite dark in there um, and I think I could happily spend the rest of my days in the Lake District oh it looked absolutely gorgeous I've never been but um no it looked like beautiful well I was thinking about my Hindu up there we'll talk about that another time but yeah um I spoke to one of my, one of my other friends and she said it was one of her favorite places and I was like Hindu you're like hello yeah, so maybe. And then the other thing I did, which actually was um, almost a week previous now, but I went for afternoon tea at, I call it the Berkeley because that's how it's spelt. But I did ask the PR because I went um, for a free afternoon tea because my friend um, is the PR there. And um, it's called the Barclay. 
Oh, yes. But every time I say the Barkley, um, Jack kind of rolls his eyes at me and I said, well, that's how they pronounce it. He's like, you're, you're, you're very proper. Yeah, but I went for their afternoon tea, which is called their pret a and it's all inspired by the Dior exhibition, which is currently on at the V&A. Oh. And um, it was heavenly, absolutely heavenly. And it's what I like to call, um, they, don't, they don't advertise it as such, um, but an all-you-can-eat afternoon tea. Oh, I'm which not. Which are the best kind. They really are. I think when you're paying... Um, quite a sum for an afternoon tea you it is nice to get a little doggy bag at the end it's all about the doggy bag I mean I want refills and doggy bags and normally like like you say afternoon teas are not cheap and over the 40 pound-ish mark that's where you tend to get into the the refill and the doggy bag situation you'd hope you'd hope well you would for 40 pounds I mean I think that one's heading into the 50s it's but I mean, it's exceptional. At one point, so they've got the three tiers of cakes and they've got um, the Dior new look um, jacket made into a cookie and then a, um, a Dior handbag. Oh no, the Miss Dior perfume. And then and then the gentleman that was serving us like came over and then started spritzing all the cakes with this edible perfume, like just when I thought I'd seen it all. That is amazing. I was like, what, what, what's he doing? was like oh that's just you know edible perfume I was like cool of course it is I wish all perfume was edible <laughs> I've learned the hard way <laughs> well actually I've got a Jerry Malone perfume and it's called it's basil and something and every time I put it on I think mm, pasta maybe I'll pop a bit on the tongue <laughs> a, a bit with my passata at tea um but yeah so that was really really lovely I felt very very fancy so I've had um I've had some nice times but um, like I said to you, not a complaint, but uh, we're heading to market this weekend and um, I had a, a shoot in my house today. So I haven't even unpacked from the Lake District. I just put the suitcase on top of the wardrobe so it looked tidy. Um, and it's just, I think the weekend after I'm going to need to sit down. Oh, she's a jet setter. She's a jet setter. I tell, I'm telling you, I might get a helicopter. It might be It might be quicker. That afternoon tea looks amazing. I've always wanted, well, I've been, to the, I've been to that afternoon tea years and years ago, but I really want to go to the Dior one because that exhibition is exceptional. I, yeah, I went to the Barclay um, probably about 10 years ago for the afternoon tea because they change it every season, don't they? Yeah. But I must say that, that is one of my favourite afternoon teas. And my other one. In fact, I'm going to ask you because I feel like you've got quite a lot of afternoon tea knowledge on your on your blog. What are your what are your favourites? Um, I'd probably say one of my favourites is Sketch. Um, it's it's definitely up there in terms of the cost of all the afternoon teas. But I real I feel like you go and you get the real experience. So you go into the, their pink removal, David Shrigley. Um, artwork, and then sometimes they've got like a gospel choir singing or like a Christmas carolers. And then you have like, it's all refillable. You get a, little, a really gorgeous doggy bag and it's just really lovely. And they kind of, at the beginning, they normally bring you over like a little, um, not like a canopy, but a couple of like mini startery bits, like picky things. Like, do they're like one-offs? I don't know. Sometimes it's like caviar or something. So it's like really fancy and not something I'm a fan of, but you feel like you've really been spoiled. So I really love it there. That's like my number one for a real treat. But Original, I also really love Liberty's afternoon tea. If you want something that feels really nice in like a bit of a London gem, but isn't as expensive. Um, I think that's just over £20, which is obviously far more reasonable and more affordable, I think, but still doing something really lovely. Um, but recently I did go to the Ned 
for afternoon tea I was taken by a couple of my best friends and that was really lovely I feel like the Ned's another one where you walk in and you feel like you're in this like parallel world of like another era and that feels like such a treat as well so they're my favorites at the moment it does it, it always changes but I've been very lucky to go to quite a few it's more like something I do every birthday so I've kind of like cashed in my tokens over the years but I went to the Savoy a few years ago which I did really like but I think because the weather was really hot I wasn't allowed to take um a doggy bag or anything and I think that again was really expensive and my mum and I and my yeah you I I think no because I think they I think it was like a health and safety thing because it was a really hot day they were like they couldn't be held responsible if the food had gone warm or it wasn't good or anything like that and I was almost like I want to take the risk we've spent a lot of money yeah no well that's the thing isn't it well and that's the kind of situation whereas if, if you'd known you might have wrapped it in a napkin and put it in your bag I know I thought um, I could have just taken it anyway but then once I've been told I can't do something oh, I actually yeah. will not do something the same I'm exactly the same but I I love sketch um but yeah it's just going back to what you said I feel like so I was looking for pictures for Mother's Day and there's just, uh, you know how the iPhone does face recognition. So I went on pictures of, of my mum. And it's just me taking pictures of my mum in front of cakes. <laughs> we, we just, But we do it like every birthday. Well, not every birthday, but, you know, at least once in the year for either birthday or Christmas or Mother's Day or something. We'll go for afternoon tea. So that was quite interesting going through our afternoon teas. I really wrote... Well, I really wrote sketch. I mean... Yeah. It is the best, but bloody hell, it's pricey. I remember when my mum and I went there, we didn't even have a glass of champagne, which is unheard of. I was like, I think we're all right with just the tap water, thanks, Trevor. Um, It is pricey, but they do. I mean, I must have had three refills of the sandwiches, so I was like, you can keep them coming. Um, Really, really love it. And obviously, you know, you can have fun in the toilets. Like, it's just generally a wonderful experience. But I also really like Betty's. Um, oh, yeah. Northern Base. Their afternoon tea is lovely. And they have an afternoon tea level, like especially in the one in York. So you can go into the cafe. But the one thing about Betty's is you can't book. And often it's quite busy in the summer. So it's quite nice to, to book the afternoon tea and you go up to the first floor and it's all, it's all just lovely. I also rate, and also not necessarily, I mean, you shouldn't really say that, should you? But um, I've done two afternoon tea tours on buses. I did one in Dublin and one in London. Um, oh, I've done one of those in London. Uh, there's, uh, let me just have a look. So B's Afternoon. Yeah, B's Afternoon Tea Bus, which is part of B Bakery, not to be confused with, with B's Bakery. That goes on on a red double-decker bus. And let me just check the one in Dublin. Dublin Afternoon Tea Bus. Because the Dublin one, oh, that's what it's called in Dublin. It's called the Vintage Tea Tours. That was exceptional. Um, and the historical facts were also very good. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. So um, afternoon tea on a bus is definitely, in a city like, you know, London or Dublin, I wouldn't really want to do it, I don't know, on the M25. I don't know if they take a bus along. Do you know what I'm saying? I've been on a bus along the motorway and it wasn't my favourite experience. <laughs> I think I was coming down to Margate, actually. And I think that's it for my afternoon teas. I'm always, always open to trying another one. But um, I do I do want to try that one at the Ned that you had because that looked gorgeous I mean we do love we, we love a trip to the Ned don't we <laughs> not in any way sponsored by the Ned um you've only been once were, um 
I, I went after we went that time in January. I went the next like four days later. I, I mean, I did go um, the week before Mother's Day with my mum. I took her for a pedicure as well because I was like, it was amazing. But yeah, we've always paid for our time at the Ned. We just really like it. We would gladly not pay for our time at the Ned though. <laughs> Maybe this podcast could be the resident Ned podcast. I mean, I'm just going to throw it out there. No, I'm joking. We love paying. Um, <laughs> shall we move on? <laughs> shall we move on to Telly Talk? First of all, I've got a public, public service announcement. I promised I wasn't going to talk about This Is Us, but This Is Us Season 2 is now available on Amazon Prime. You don't have to pay £20 for it. So that's the end of my public service announcement, and I won't talk about it anymore. The other thing that I have been watching, sorry, got really distracted then, is that I've been watching Pose on BBC Two, which is... Oh, all you about... mentioned this. It's so... This is probably... I probably chatted to you about it when we crashed the, uh, on Monday, but it's about the ball culture in the 1980s in New York um, at the, ha- the height of the AIDS epidemic. That's the kind of synopsis in a nutshell. Um, but it's got... Um, I was I loved episode one, and I was like, this is incredible. But then I started to think oh I just need to check if the cast is as diverse as the stories that they're portraying because obviously you know that's just so important in 2019 Mm. that if you're going to be playing um somebody from the LGBTQ community that that they're actually hiring those people and apparently it is the biggest well in the BBC press room, which I've, I've just got the web page up here, um, it said they're making history and Pose features the largest cast of transgender actors in series regular roles, as well as the largest reoccurring cast of LGBTQ actors for a scripted series. So I fully would recommend it, not just because of that, um, but it's so good. I've only watched two episodes so far and it's kind of got the glitz and the glamour, but also some of the stories... Um, and they're just really, really sad, really heartbreaking. But it, yeah, it's a really great series. And I think the oh, the first episode was really long. Um, it was an hour and 15 minutes, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've got series. Oh, no, I haven't watched episode two. So I've got episode two to watch. Um, and there's eight episodes. Oh, that's I don't I'm really, really think that sounds brilliant. I'm going to give that a watch. Yeah, I promise. Um, looking forward to I think Jack's going away for a job very very soon which I'm glad because I've got a lot of telly to catch up on that we don't watch together he was actually um work he was writing script when he when I had pose on and he kept like looking up and looking up and then by the end of it he just shut his laptop and was like I'm fully I'm fully involved what's happening oh my god I love a new series I say that I'm still pootling behind but it does sound really good I'm concerned about you. Do you finish series or do you just start them? I, I mean, I'm like... I'm good at starting them. I'm less good at finishing them. I feel like if we actually wrote down all the series that you started and, and not to finish. No, because that would be too embarrassing. No, it's fine. It's fine. Um, as long as, you know, we're watching TV, that's the main thing. Um, what have you been watching? Well, I, well, this week I watched um, the next episode of Married at First Sight, which is one of my favourite things. Oh, um, how's it going? Good, good. I feel like the two couples they've paired been paired with, the two couples they're featuring should have been paired with each other instead. Oh, really? I feel like they got it around the wrong way. Could you do could you do a wife swap married at first sight hybrid? I feel like that's that is where it could be heading. Well, you never know. 
I re- but I love it. I'm really invested in it. I really like Jonathan, but I don't think it's going to work out with um, him and is it Stephanie. Um, but I really, really love Verity, who is the lady in the other couple. I think she's absolutely wonderful. Um, so I'm just, I'm just really enjoying it. It's just a really nice, like it's a, it's like a proper hump day watch when you're feeling a bit like out of sorts midweek. It's the thing that I always kind of go, oh yeah, I forgot this was on tonight, and I get really excited. <laughs> That's the, I love that. Yeah, that feeling when there's nothing on and then you're like, oh, God, no, actually there is. Married at First Sight's on or whatever it is and you get all excited. I know. It's like my favourite, favourite thing. So I watched that, which was great. And then last week, literally, um, it was, no, it wasn't this time last week, it was last Thursday, I went to the cinema with Joe, and I went to see probably my first ever proper scary film. <laughs> No, I mean, I don't know why you're laughing because I've not watched a scary film. So I think this is completely... Okay, you. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, I just... Basically, we had a free evening. My grandparents had Maggie and we never really have evenings where we don't have any kind of responsibility. So I was like, well, why don't we go to the cinema? And Joe was like, okay, I'll check what's on. I think what was on was... Um, it was Aftermath with Kira Knightley. Um, which Joe then looked up reviews and apparently the reviews haven't been brilliant. So he was like, mm, I'll leave it up to you kind of thing. And then there was um, Captain Marvel as well, which isn't really my bag. So that wasn't really in the question. Then there was Us. I haven't seen Get Out. That's always been something I've meant to see, like a lot of things, but I hadn't seen it. And it's directed by the same guy, which is Jordan, Jordan Peele. Peele. Oh, sorry. Um, you, you've got the yeah. facts. I was here with I got, the facts. I, got the facts. Them. I know. You, you had the facts already and you didn't need them. Sorry. Sorry. Apologies. Carry on. So I asked on Instagram, I was like, will I find it really, really scary? Because I was just, I had no confidence. But the reviews were really good. Like the IMDb was like 7.4. It had 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. So I was like, okay, okay. And then I was like literally doing that thing where you read reviews. So I was like looking at... um not commodes reviews I was like on every website trying to get reviews and I was like it seemed really good um so I was like let's just book it and a lot of people were like oh it's quite scary some people like it's jumpy it's gory some people like it's not jumpy so I was like Liv just suck it up and do it because it's the only like it made the most sense because it was the one that had the best write-up so I was I like okay let's... you could suck it up I'm looking at the poster I'm terrified oh no well that's the thing it the poster I hadn't seen the trailer or anything so I had nothing to go by um and joe was like if it's anything like get out it'll be absolutely fine so i was like okay and then we got to the trailers <laughs> and just the trailers were horrific and like just because they were all obviously like real scary trailers there was pet cemetery um which is the new film oh my god why am i like this but is it what's this what's the scary writer sorry um, i don't know i've not watched a horror film ever no it's based on a book by um stephen king yes Oh, he's the only scary writer I know. Yes, yeah, so Stephen King. I was like, yeah, but that looked really scary. And then there was another one which I didn't even remember the name of because it just looked so like terrifying. So they just didn't gear me up for anything. But the film, we both came out, and I was like, "What did you think?" And Joe was like, "I, I, I don't know." And I just, it was, it was, it was really scary. I think a lot of the scariness was in my head because I was constantly anticipating things that could happen which I know is about like is almost what a lot of scary films play up to because they're kind of like waiting for you to kind of interpret what might go on if that makes sense I wish you could see my face I've just seen the words funhouse doppelganger and hall of mirrors 
Yeah. Yep. So basically, that's how I no. that's how I sum it up in a line. Like, yeah, like a scary film about doppelgangers. <laughs> I feel like if I was coming at it from a really analytical point of view, like a real like me stu- being an art student having to analyze a painting and find meaning, and I think it did cover some like important messages. Um, and I think you could really kind of it would make for a really great dissertation piece or really great essay on like the things it unpicks. Um, well, I've just seen and I didn't know this and forgive me but I didn't realize that Jordan Peele was uh, produced uh, Black Klansman so I mean and then I've just read a brief synopsis about the uh, film Get Out and I can see how it could all you know it could be covering some really important topics. Yes I feel like it does I mean I feel like primarily it's just quite scary but I do feel like it covers some interesting topics as well Um, but I feel like I was so scared that I wasn't really focusing on them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, my my eyebrows have been furrowed for nearly five minutes while you've been talking about this. And but I'm that glad case, that we're you know we're looking at some some new TV for for us because we do tend to watch the same genre. But I'm going to have to close this honestly. That it's ter- I'm terrified. Yeah, the, even the yeah, the post is quite scary as well. It's put me off. It's put me off cutting anything ever again ever. Oh no, <laughs> absolutely not for me. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. After Teletalk, we have a guest this week, which is very, very exciting, very overdue. But this week we have my friend Genevieve Richardson, who is currently interning with an MP in Parliament. And we wanted to bring her along to basically debunk some Brexit and political myths and almost talk about politics on a really digestible level. Because if you've watched the news or if you haven't watched the news in the last few weeks, I think it's become a real kind of minefield of knowledge and it's become quite intimidating and quite scary to feel like you know or don't know anything about politics so we wanted to have a guest on that perhaps doesn't have endless political degrees but is someone like us who has a really extensive breadth of knowledge but is able to communicate in a way that isn't intimidating and makes it feel really accessible um which is what I think politics (laughs) politics should really be about so yeah Without further chatter, let me introduce our interview with my friend Genevieve Richardson. So today we have a very special guest on the line. That is my wonderful friend and also political correspondent for this week, Genevieve Richardson, who I've known for many, many years, but also 
I feel like this week has just the last couple of weeks I mean I've known you've been really politically savvy for a really long time but I think over the last couple of weeks when it has been particularly testing and especially Britain in terms of politics you have really kind of debunked a lot of things on social media and basically what we wanted to have you in for is just have a really candid chat about kind of Brexit (laughs) and kind of just being able to get your head around politics if you're not particularly political which is a lot of peas well thank you for having me oh you're very welcome we're very happy to have you on here but we've basically I think I don't know about Charlotte but I feel like politics at the moment is so overwhelming and it changes I mean at the moment when we record everything we say will be relevant but give it a couple of hours it might outdate very quickly so the turnaround hopefully will be quite quick I know I mean I'm away at the moment I'm away from parliament at the moment and I think I think everything's changed since I've left I know I was talking 24 hours ago I know that's the thing I I was actually having a conversation with my mum and then she was like but has this not changed and I was like maybe maybe it has I feel at the moment that politics is so overwhelming that I try and keep keep up with it. And, and my, my boyfriend, Jack's really been keeping up with it to the point that he has like live, like news streaming all the time. And I've actually had to like ban the B word on like when it's just, it's too much. And I'm like, honestly, Jack, I can't listen to an, another thing. And I feel like a lot of people might be getting that way. And obviously like, I, I never would because it's such a privilege, you know, to have the right to vote and, and be able to follow politics. But I just think at the moment it's particularly overwhelming. It's particularly testing. And and that's, yeah, I, when Liv said, you know, let's get Genevieve on, I was like, yes, please, just for my own sanity. Because it, it very much makes you want to walk away from politics and be like, well, it's nothing to do with me. I don't know how to help. I don't know how to, I don't even know what's going on. Just forget about it. I'm going to go have a cup of tea and seven, 74 biscuits. Maybe that's me. <laughs> I completely, I mean, I eat a lot of biscuits to get through the day. It's so overwhelming. And people keep saying to me that, you know, I'm so lucky to be working in Parliament at the moment, which is true. But it's also, I'm just worried for the state of our country, most of all. So if if this could not be happening, I'd, I'd also like that. As a young person, like, how did you first get into politics? Because I think there's like a lot of people that would really like to, but would have a foggy where to begin because I think it's just the whole word in itself is just like oh god I don't know how to deal with it don't know how to get in forget it I know I know I think it's there's a lot of work that needs to be done on our institutions to make it more accessible and actually I have a story about how I got into politics and how I nearly didn't get into it which is that I did work experience in in sixth form at some point political kind of work experience and I was working with this another work experience person a young guy who was able to just wax lyrical about everything political and I'd come at the politics angle being really interested in just social issues and stuff like that and he just knew so much about kind of the intricacies of politics and I felt really put off and I just actually said to them I don't want to do this um, I just don't know enough and it's taken me nearly a decade really to to actually think about why that might be I think you know he was privately educated and I think you get a lot of confidence from having a private education a lot of the time perhaps the confidence of being a man and it's taken me all this time to actually think you know what even if I don't know so much about all the intricacies of 
politics. I actually care about the issues that face state, you know, people every day. So I think that it's more important to go in at that angle than the other angle. I think people would would rather have a politician who cares about them than, and we have we have a lot of great politicians um, than somebody who just is a career politician. Completely, and especially someone that you'd rather someone that cares about, like you say, social issues and like what the people people actually want, opposed to knowing words and what like textbook definitions of things mean because that's lovely but and I know you know those things too but equally it's actually having someone who's just genuinely in touch with what's relevant and what's needed and far more than just being able to be like I have it all going on up here kind of thing exactly and I mean I'm still learning a lot about what's going on in parliament because there's so I mean they have a glossary I would recommend that you go on the parliament glossary if you're interested because there are so many strange words for everything I feel like this is going to help me so much so is that is that available on the government website or just like if you just google parliament glossary, glossary. yeah it's the parliament website not the gloss the not the government website right I see I see yeah because sometimes I'm like I don't even know what you're talking about I, I like I really want to understand but you've just said seven words and I'm I know I know and I think that that's why there needs to be a change you know I I don't think you should need a degree in politics, which I don't have, by the way, to uh, to understand politics because it's not democratic. You have to have people who are voting understanding it. Otherwise, it doesn't work, does it? And I think Brexit's really sh- showing that. Yeah, yeah. That, that's how I feel when I watch Line of Duty. Like all their <laughs> like p- like police terms. Like I've just learned what like AC means, um, and I forgot. Not air conditioner. <laughs> air conditioner 12 um <laughs> but even then I'm like I feel like you need to know police words to understand that and it takes two series to get into but this is real life <laughs> I know and that's that's actually just what made me want to try to break things down because I thought I have I struggle to understand how is anybody who's working outside most people meant to understand that's what really made me want to try to explain things so, so what did you you, you do your degree in, um, if you don't mind me asking? And then what was the steps that kind of got you interested? Well, I, I know you've kind of covered that bit, but, you know, how did you get into it? I, my degree was actually in French and Spanish. Um, and then I did a master's in international development. And I felt like I didn't want to do something to do with overseas stuff. I wanted to do something about British issues and stuff like that. And I looked at working for an MP and I applied for loads of jobs directly with MPs but I just heard nothing back and then I heard about this internship which I'm now on called the Speaker's Parliamentary Placement Scheme and it's been running for eight years and it's trying to diversify Parliament basically so you don't need to agree even though I do have one um, and you can be any age to apply and so it's it's a really good scheme actually because it tries to address this very issue which is that young people do want to work in politics but they can't um they can't get into it because it's so competitive and often it's about who you know so I'm lucky to be on this this internship really and how long have you been doing it for about six months and still there's just so much to to learn really yeah I mean I just I'm still just thinking could I do it? When you said any age, I was like, well, maybe I'll do it. Yeah, honestly. I mean, I think it, it does 
it tries to make it accessible for people who might want to change careers. Not saying that you should, but that is actually what, it, you know, it, it tries to be accessible to that, which is great because I think a lot of people work in areas that might be connected to politics like health or education who might want to go into something political, which is great because they have all that experience of having worked in that kind of sector. That's so interesting. That's that's it, and that's what's so needed is people who have that real experience to kind of really like change that landscape of politics because you're like so often you hear about politicians who just are. I mean, I suppose the the phrase that's banded around is out of touch. Anything exactly. It it does become like that, and that's what makes it so difficult. But one of the things we wanted to ask is just about the day to day, which. Um, just briefly touching on it because I think we're both so interested. I mean, I I know because I came to visit you, which was so you exciting. Did. At you work. did. I was you like, came through the security, the, the proper Parliament security, and we got to have lunch. And I was like looking for people. I was like, oh, I recognise people. It was just very exciting. I feel like even when I'm watching the news, they were on them um, by the by the river. What's the the outdoorsy bit near the restaurant called? Oh, the terrace. The, the terrace. <laughs> It's just called the terrace. The ter- I know. It's there just is called no the terrace. Is is that on the 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 parliamentary glossary? <laughs> oh, it might be. It might be. You know, you work alongside um, Catherine West, who is an MP, and I'd love to know. Like, we basically quickly want to touch on what the day to day entails, because um, I think that's really interesting as well. Like being a fly on the wall in your yeah, own. definitely. Um, it's quite varied, actually. Like, may- my main job is to deal with post and emails. So I help draft responses to constituents um, who might write in about anything from Brexit or a lot, because in Catherine's constituency, 75% of her constituents voted to remain. So they're very angry about everything, understandably. Or it could be about a personal problem, like a problem with your landlord and that's called processing casework so I do a bit of that but mainly I deal with what's called the policy correspondence which is all of the sort of wider issues that aren't personal issues um so I write I write letters I help draft letters to constituents and to departments often I'll raise things with different departments I also conduct research for briefings and speeches for example I research the impact of Brexit on the fashion industry which is quite interesting because I like fashion because Catherine was doing a Sky News interview about the fashion industry and Brexit. I did. I recently did some research about knife crime because obviously that's a huge problem at the moment. And then I also manage her Instagram, which is, you know, exciting. There's, there are no flat lays, but... <laughs> Disappointing. Which is... <laughs> I don't know what there would be of. Um, actually, yeah, no, you, I, could maybe, you could maybe get like policy and then laminate it. And then, like, put put it on some fabric and then, like, drape a rose over it. I was going to say some peonies, perhaps, or a diptyque <laughs> yeah. candle. A diptyque, uh, yeah. I did actually do a flat lay once of some some letters from some um, year six students, oh. obviously far away. Because we do get some from children, which is nice. Some letters. Oh. A lot about the environment. Yeah, and I help draft blog posts and articles. And I also do something called tabling questions. Here's something else that you need to gloss glossary for so MPs will either ask an oral question in the House of Commons or a written question and it's called tabling questions I don't know why it's called tabling rather than just asking questions 
but I um, help do that because they have to be worded in a certain way. And if they're not, if they're not worded in a certain way, they get carded, which means you've done it's wrong. It's like a referee red card. You've done it wrong. You need to reword it. Um, so often it's a bit like um, a freedom of information request because the MP might want to know how much a department is spending on X or they might want to know the, the impact of something um, such as to find out information. And then something else I'm leading on, which is exciting, is um, a summer school, which Catherine is hosting for 16 to 19 year olds in the constituency, which is so I'm helping to organise that, which is really great because it's it's doing a similar thing to my internship, which is trying to give experience to young people who might not come from very privileged backgrounds and get, give them a taste of what Parliament's like and what local government's like. I think I need to come to this. It's a shame I'm 13 years over the age limit. A lot of people, <laughs> yeah, a lot of people have been like, I'm too old. It's, yeah, it's... That's so exciting, then. It shows there's such a gap for that and there is yeah. such a want. So, um because I had another friend who um, I think did a similar position to you um, just by kind of what, what you're explaining um, on your day to day. And when it comes to writing to your local MP, you know, would you say like, do those letters help Catherine or any MP like shape kind of, you know, it, as you say, the constituency, she is um, looking after her, her borough. Um, I know, def- yeah, because I imagine some people just like, well, well, it's a waste of time. I'm not going to write to my MP. No, I don't. I I know. I, I I get it, and I think that it's definitely worth writing to your MP because, particularly if you are writing and a number of other people are writing on a specific issue, the same issue, that can sort of influence the MP to actually, like, oh, okay, this is might be something that that I should take in. To Parliament. So yeah, definitely. I mean, Catherine's working on stuff to do with the living wage, trying to make sure that that everyone is paid the uh, in London is paid the London living wage. And she wouldn't that wouldn't that was already on her radar, but definitely constituents writing in um, really helped. That's so interesting. I remember when um, Gina Martin like put forward her upskirting campaign, and I wrote to my local MP, and it was. He, I got a reply and obviously that that felt like I was doing something albeit very small but I think if yeah like if you say if a lot of people do it then it's like hey we have a problem with this thing exactly Gina Martin's actually Catherine's constituent ah. which is quite cool yeah and um yeah and it's like with the with the article 50 petition we had loads of people emailing saying I've signed it and that's and that's great because it just indicates to Catherine what her constituents are doing. Oh, interesting. Already this has been enlightening and we've only been talking for 15 minutes. I feel like in the 15 minutes I've learned more than in 32 years of watching them all on telly. Well, yeah, you just wish that you got taught this in school. I think I, I really wish that we were taught this in school. Do, do you uh, think it's a, like that thing that you were talking about earlier, that kind of private education, and I'm not dissing anybody dissing? <laughs> <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Um, but do, like, it's almost like it's, it's almost a system designed to keep certain people out, which it probably is. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just... It being... is, unfortunately. It's not one of those things where, you know, we're being conspired against or something. It's not, it's not like that. But by sort of accident you are being left out 
if I think, and particularly because, for example, at my school, they didn't offer politics A-level. At a lot of state schools, they don't. At a, at a lot of private schools, they do. And obviously, that, so that excludes people. But I think that it should be, it should be part of the curriculum, you know, part of PSHE or something. I think a lot of things, because I always notice now as a parent, I'm like, oh, they, they should teach that in school. Or, and then actually me and Jack have had the discussion of, no, they should teach it at home. Like that's like school's not there to educate your child on everything. You know, a lot of it does have to be the parents. But I think something like politics, it's very difficult for the parents to teach it because if they don't understand it, whereas, you know, other things, the parents can teach it. You know, even if they don't know about it, they can probably educate themselves with politics definitely think that should be on the curriculum and um it wasn't at my school like it just no we had we had yeah, RE I, that was about as far as it went I have a funny story about this as well actually which is that I wrote an essay for some sort of competition I can't remember what it was to do with but you had to answer the question of how to get more young people involved in politics and I wrote the essay on the fact that there should be um uh, education on politics and I got a response saying that I've been unsuccessful because my idea would result in indoctrination and I thought mm, I don't I don't think so because if you're sensitive about it then I think you can teach politics you're, you're always going to be biased that's the difficulty but I, I did a great history module I think Liv did it as well um on British politics yes loved that that was loved great it. um and our teacher was was quite left-wing so it was a bit biased but I think you could go about it in a way that you're not even talking about the politics really you're just talking about how parliament works Mm. how you know how many MPs there are how elections work you know just stuff like that I think you could definitely teach that in citizenship without being biased that's the thing I did that and I just think I look back on those lessons I think I don't even know what kind of like side leaning that my history teacher was and obviously you oh, could I can't remember like there was no I'm, I'm trying to think now I was just thinking did he say any I mean he may have done but there was nothing that meant I came away thinking oh he he's definitely um like a Tory or definitely lefty or like it was very much a kind of like neutral ground which although I didn't like him as a teacher because he made me so anxious um oh which is another issue um but I just I'd, I'd loved those lessons I felt I came away and I felt quite educated about like the political system which should, should I have had to wait until I was over kind of like a voting age to know about that no I know it's it's really it's really bad yeah I mean you should I think you should learn it from quite an early age you know year seven and it yeah it, do, it doesn't have to be too political it just has to be these are the parties these are their main beliefs in a sort of, you know, as that, and that that's the only place where it could become a bit biased. But I think you can, you can try to go about it in a way that is as neutral as possible. I was just going to say, I feel like this ties really nicely into like actually talking about politics online and like now in the present day, because I think it is so overwhelming and difficult to know which sources to trust and it's to where to get your information from because I think politics online has seemingly become something that's really opinion-based opposed to fact-based and it can become like it can become like a weird space of different grey areas when actually like there's lots of parties that have their policies okay I don't know how much people deliver on them um 
but it can become so difficult to actually establish your own opinion when you can often become trapped in a bit of an echo chamber so I was just quite interested to know kind of obviously what you've been doing the last couple of weeks of Brexit is you've kind of been debunking um, or breaking it down to the kind of normal everyday person about what's going on in Parliament um, in a way that's quite digestible and I'm really interested to know how you kind of know and which sources to trust and how you kind of can gather your opinion based on what's going on because I find that I'm kind of I sit on the BBC and that's kind of it because I don't really know where else to go because obviously a lot of places are so kind of centered around their own kind of political beliefs that it can you know even if you have your own political beliefs you still want something that's like right what's actually going on yeah I think that that's such a good question particularly in the age of social media because that everyone has an opinion everyone puts it out there and it could be as you know it could be fake news oh god that's it that's a thing and that's that's people say that as well and you're like oh it's like what do you say but then I think that what's great about social media is the fact that people are able to scrutinize each other so you know somebody might tweet something and then somebody else or maybe like 10 people will reply saying well that's not quite right and then they might link to why it's not right and I think that's a great part of social media it allows everyone to kind of interact with with each other but more broadly about knowing which sources to trust. I mean, I'm, I've been guilty in the past of only sticking to certain sources. And I think in my job, I've actually got better at reading a variety of sources because sometimes I just can't find it on one paper, like The Guardian, my love. And I would definitely recommend trying to read a variety of, of sources, which you can do quite easily on your phone I'm like, I'm selling the iPhone now on the news app because it has it has diff- it comes from different um, uh, newspapers. So that's kind of like a because you can't read five newspapers a day. I'd recommend not reading everything from you know the Morning Star to the Daily Mail, but more like the more moderate papers like the Guardian, the Times, the Telegraph, the Independent, BBC. I think they're all good standing point- points because they're. Or starting points because they're all they all are biased but in theory the BBC shouldn't be but um it's yeah it's hard it's hard not to be but they all kind of cover more of a moderate ground I would also say that watching the news is great because there's often a lot of interrogation particularly the channel 4 news which is it is more left-leaning but they tend to interrogate their guests more they tend to interrogate their politicians more than on like the BBC or something and I think that's quite useful because you can just they try to get to the heart of what's what's going on but also what's important is to have context and you kind of need to know a bit about the history to 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 understand the present and I'd really recommend watching Andrew Marr's History of Modern Britain if you can find it it's a five-part series it charts the history of from the end of the war from Clement Attlee's, Attlee being Prime Minister, to 2007. And it includes a lot about Northern Ireland, which is really relevant to everything that's happening with Brexit, up to 2007. And I would really recommend that if you want to know more about politics, because it just sets everything in context. And it's just like, ah, oh, okay, this is why this person is mad, and this other person is also mad. And another thing I'd recommend is following the Twitter accounts of the House of Commons and Commons Library. 
those are their handles because you may not know about the House of Commons Library it's trying to not just help people who work in Parliament but also everyone by providing um, unbiased research. Oh that's really interesting. It's really handy and you can and if you go on their Twitter accounts they just give you really up-to-date information about everything that's going on and it's really simple and nobody's talking in nonsense language that's the thing so often you watch these programs and people I mean I think it's quite a renowned thing with politicians but no one answers questions in a really simple way yes Jack and I were watching the tv last night and because like we uh, we were on a mini break so we were sat down like quite early and the news was on and um somebody asked an MP they were like oh well you know how how do you think um Brexit's affected the country and rather than just say Oh, well, yeah, it's probably been a bit shit, hasn't it? Like, we're actually put everyone under a lot of pressure. He just went off on one, and he didn't even answer the question. And I was like, if you just sympathise with everybody, I don't know, it just, like, almost feels like that, like a lot of politicians that you see on the TV just don't have a heart or are just so not in touch with what's happening. So it's really nice to listen to a few things that you've suggested to actually get the information that you need. And I... And, I, and do, do you think it's one of those things as well, it's a bit like a muscle that you exercise, you know, when you go to the gym and obviously the more, yeah, the more you absorb and the more you try and understand it, you know, hopefully in like six months time, you'll be like, oh, I, oh, right. Yeah. Makes loads of sense. Exactly. You have to get used to what they're talking about. When I've been doing my stories, it's really forced me to get into the nitty gritty because sometimes I'll read an article and I kind of, in my head, I'm like, yeah, I understand this. And I think a lot of people do this. But then when I'm explain, trying to explain it, I'm like, well, what does that mean? And I have to keep, you know, digging deeper. And that's when I found it really useful to use a variety of sources. Do you know what? Do you know what I would recommend? CBBC Newsround. Nothing wrong with that. Yes. Simple. Great idea. Talking in complex language is often seen as like the favourable thing or it's meant the to grown be superior. Up thing. Exactly. But what's really the most intelligent thing to do is to present things in a simple way. And I think sometimes within journalism, within politics, within all these kind of middle class, upper class activities, people get very bogged down in sounding clever. Um, and embellishing these things too, in a way that's like, I know words. And it's exactly, like, cool, yeah. you know words. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's but it's more important to know things than words, I think. And I've, I mean, I've had that in so many situations where I've been in an, you know, inverted commas, adult situation, even, for example, when we were looking to get a mortgage. And I had to say to, like, the estate agent or, the, like, the mortgage advisor, sorry, and I was just like, but can you just talk to me as if I'm an alien and I've just landed on Earth and I've no idea what is going on because... I won't I won't know what what these things mean. I know. I know. And why does it have to be so complicated? Who came up with any of these words that are different to regular words? I know. I know. And I just think so many people just think oh god I feel stupid like I and and I do feel stupid a lot. And I don't know like maybe if we analyzed it further I've got pretty average GCSEs I've got pretty shitty A-levels two D's and an E um, and I quit art college so whilst I am quite intelligent it's very easy and it's that kind of going back to that kind of self-belief thing but if you see something on the telly um, sometimes and you're just like I, 
I keep making this noise, don't I? That's my politics noise. Um, you just think, oh, do you know what? I'm not going to have anything to do with it. And actually, if we all were a bit more politically focused, um, you know, and doing certain things, you know, maybe maybe we can all come together for the greater good. Maybe that's my my hippie ideals coming through. Yeah, I think that so many people feel like that, and I felt like that in this experience with the work with with the work experience that that I did. Um, and in hindsight, I just feel like that's not my fault, and it's not people's fault for not understanding. It really is the fact that we have to change our institutions because. In a democracy, it's just not right that people don't feel that like they can understand and that they feel like they can, that they should just give up because they're not clever enough or that they they don't know enough. I just, yeah, that's why I would say to people who feel like they don't know enough, it's just not their fault and they should do what they can to try to understand, but also recognise that there's a lot of work that, that Parliament should be doing and is actually doing to try to make it more accessible. Like Parliament has a great education hub and they do a lot of workshops and school trips and stuff like that which is great because that didn't exist when we were kids um so they are actually doing a lot to to show people that this is your parliament this isn't just some palace in the middle of london where all these people argue this is actually for you what would you say to a young person who is looking to get into politics potentially but is too scared for lack of a better word yeah, I think I think a lot of people do. And I would say nobody is as clever as you think they are, first of all. And having questioning yourself is good in some measure because it means that you're reflective. Um, so keep that on board. And in terms of practical things, I'd say that getting involved in sort of local things, community things is really great. If you are party political, then getting involved with your party at a local level, campaigning. But if you don't feel like you're you're political, then to get involved with a charity or something like that and volunteer. Um, and I would say to write a blog or 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 get on Twitter and and share your opinion. I think what's great about social media again is that you can share your opinion like that. Um, but I think that you have to have the attitude that you do deserve to be involved as a young person yeah completely I think as well do you know what I always think learning like I read a really great piece in stylist recently about the art of debate and actually kind of not being too frightened of discussion and debate because I think that's another thing we've been we're so invested in like cancel culture if someone gets something wrong and I think it's really important to be able to debate things and discuss things and know you're not always right. But if you're not right, being able to listen and be able to say, do you know what, you've got a really fair point there. Because I think we're so quick to go, you are not educated, you do not know, and just kind of be like, that's it, unfollow, instead of just saying, okay, let's, let me see how, what, your way of thinking. Totally. And how much of that is to do with being a woman, I wonder? I think, particularly with this experience I had with this guy, I think that was a lot to do with the sort of male confidence thing. And that's a real shame. And so, yeah, I think it's totally okay to, to admit that you're still learning and that you're, that it's a work in progress. And to, and when you are having a discussion, if somebody is just like, Oh, you don't know anything. Well, they're, they're just not good. They're just not a good debater, are they? <laughs> they are just not good for you. <laughs> I think Jamila Jamil actually talked about this quite well to do with feminism. It is a work in process. It's never too late to just 
say that you were wrong. But I think everyone is afraid of saying that they're wrong. Um, it's really hard. It's really hard. It's uh, but there's so much power in it as well. There's so much power in it saying, do you know what? I've not always got it right, but I'm really, really happy to learn and educate myself. I think if everyone could adopt that sort of attitude and also be kind to each other and kind to others when they don't know things and mm. not just not not laugh at them and things like that. You're, it's never too late to become interested in anything like politics or. I don't know, it's, politics should be something that I think is open to everyone as well and it shouldn't be too intimidating for anyone. Absolutely, it really shouldn't. It really is, I think it's just vital that everyone feels like it's theirs because that's the whole point of politics, it's to do with the people. If we're going to go etymology heavy, it's to do with the people. I love um, that. <laughs> and at the moment it's just, it's not, I don't know what the opposite of that is in latin but <laughs> I'm, i don't know oh, i'm oh just mentioned the word etymology followed by latin i just had to google the word etymology just in case any, any other fringe of it listeners out there are feeling a bit worried there might be some fringe of it, fringe of it listeners out there rolling their eyes going oh my god i had no idea <laughs> don't bring up latin <laughs> don't bring up latin what does it mean well thank you so much genevieve honestly i feel like I just know how to tackle this now because... Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, I've, I feel like I'm going to go and, and write some letters. I know. Honestly, as well, if you don't follow Jenny... Well, I, I keep saying Jenny because, I mean, we're just super familiar. But um, if you don't follow Genevieve, um, do go and follow because her stories are brilliant at kind of breaking down week on week in Brexit, very AOC, um, who we love. Um, and she's just really great kind of, you know, bringing you back to the bare bones of what's going on in a really non-scary way. So definitely follow her too. Thank you. That It was very much inspired by AOC showing us around um, Congress and stuff. Oh, you are the British AOC. I just need to get my suit game. I know. <laughs> well put Genevieve's Instagram we'll link it in the show notes so you can find it there and um I'm not gonna say anything about Brexit because God knows where we'll be this time next week <laughs> oh thank you so much thank you very much for having take me care, Genevieve. Yeah. Bye-bye. Take care. bye 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 we really hope you enjoyed that chat with Genevieve I'm feeling pretty fired up and less like an idiot which is generally what politics makes me feel like a lot so we really hope that you got something from it too we will be back next week and we will have recorded an install recording with H&M on the launch of their conscious collection so we'll be talking with a couple of guests about sustainability and the fashion industry so we can't wait for you to hear that and in the meantime head over to our Facebook group forward slash hang on facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the fringe of it and if you would like to subscribe and rate us that will help other people find us so thank you so much for listening and we'll speak to you all very soon bye bye don't you love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 